You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. Welcome to the Big Soccer Show. The best soccer show in the whole world. Here we go, best soccer show, backheel.com, Jason Davis, Jared Dubois, Super Bowl Sunday, not that that has anything to do with why we're here, I just feel like I have to mention it, Jared, because we are doing this show not live. I don't, do you have a name for these shows? Well, we it, it's live for us. Well, yes, we li- we are living our lives live. Like, how else are you supposed, you've confused me, you've like opened up a philosophical wormhole. <laughs> how did you do that? All right, we are here. It is Super Bowl Sunday. All of you are watching the game. That's fine. You can listen to this show later. We're not live anyway. We may get a few phone calls if people respond to our Twitter shout uh, for some input. But we got a, a lot of things to talk about, Jared, and we can certainly dive into the U.S. loss to Chile. We can talk you about... You know what, as a, as a show that constantly records on a... Set, well, not so constantly in the offseason, but uh, usually records on a Sunday-Wednesday schedule, this is probably our fifth year recording on a Super Bowl. Is it? Have you have you gone back and looked? Like I don't so, remember. No, I haven't looked, but it feels that way. I feel like we we were con- consistently like uh, recording. Except maybe last year because we weren't the Broncos in the final last year. So you probably the said final. no. Listen to you, soccer fan. They were in the final last year. <laughs> I don't know. They don't call it a final in football. The Super Cup. They they were in the final of the Super Cup. <laughs> they, yeah, right? they they were they were in the final of the Community Shield last year. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I did watch that entire game. I don't think we recorded last year because my boys were playing. They got blown out, and I was dumb with that game by about the first quarter but uh we i don't think we recorded we are recording now i think the seahawks are winning again we, we're, we might be what's good the luck. soccer equivalent to deflate gate oh man you know i was thinking about that i don't think there is anything because both teams are using this you know it's one ball that both teams are, are, are i think kicking. i kind of know what it would be like a home team like spraying the lines no, maybe i know what it three is three yards like in more further in maybe than they're supposed to be maybe, maybe pl- to benefit their play style okay maybe but that's within as long as there's a like, as long as you meet the, the league the uh fifa minimums it doesn't matter yeah so, there's there's a range you can go yes. within but let's you know say you're is? a team that, that really wants to play you're you're, you're Jose, Jose Mourinho and you love to pack it in and play a con- tight contact uh, like compact defense like maybe yeah, it's your it. advantage to that's go even smaller than what's allowed that's not it what it is is uh messing with the goal size that's what it is. Like like six inches, making the goal six inches smaller or something like that. In fact, well, that's I, a big one. I remember a couple. But uh, deflating a ball is a little more subtle. No, no. Well, the moving goalposts. No, no. I'm not talking about moving goal. Think about the way that no, goals you, are set the up. The size of them. Yeah, yeah. But think about the way goals are set up. You could probably get away with it. Now, actually, I do remember in England. I don't remember if it was a Premier League game or a Championship game or something. There was. A brief controversy before a match where one of the managers asked for a measurement of the goals at an away game. It turned out the goals were fine, but he had like that, that momentary thought, like maybe they've messed with the goals. Maybe they, maybe they're trying to screw with that. And, but the, the, then again, you do switch at halftime. So you'd be hurting yeah, yourself. So that guy went all Gene Hackman and put like a, a little short guy on his shoulders <laughs> and measured the height of the, of the goal. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we are here again. It is, uh, it's a Sunday night. We got plenty to talk about. It's the MLS offseason, but it's delivering plenty of headlines. This is probably, I mean, I hate to do this. I'm not, I'm not the guy that loves hype, Jared, but 
this is probably the best off season we've ever had, just in terms of the like rapidity of, of of things happening. Like, there's always news. It's either Lampard or Gerard or uh, you know controversy here, controversy there. Sasha Kleschen now NYCFC stadium rules, which we're going to get to. Eventually. I don't think it's I don't think it's hype when it's just legitimately like cons- consistently delivering news yeah. and kind of not news not news for news sake. You know, just news for like, hey, there's actually stuff happening. You know, and it's kind of interesting stuff where the 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 theme of a Yanks abroad coming home is uh taking even more hold on this off season. Um, big, like you said, big star names and uh, con- legit controversy around them, and the center of it yet again is New York City FC. They just can't for everything they do right. It's like one step forward, two steps back. You're gonna you 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 bring it. You finally bring a, a franchise to New York City. Bravo! You know you're gonna unite the boroughs and you're gonna be the the New York City's team. We brought you Frank Lampard. Oh, two steps back. He's not gonna come, and we kind of like misled you. Oh, but we signed Mix Discarude. Hey, we're back in good graces. Oh, and by the way, we hate our supporters. Well, I don't think that they hate them. And I, and we you want to get into the actual rules? I don't have them in front of me. I'm trying to find them, as a matter of fact. If you pull them up, just go ahead and jump in with them. But essentially what they are, it basically everything is banned except for one drum. That, that If I remember correctly, everything is banned except for one drum. And, you know, I, I think this is a function of them playing in a baseball stadium that doesn't belong to them. You know, it belongs to the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees are partners in the club. But I guarantee you the Steinbrenner boys aren't, like, thrilled with the idea of smoke bombs at Yankee Stadium. And well, I, I have them here, right? I have them right here. And, uh, you know, some of these are kind of consistent with other stadiums, but it's also kind of consistent with other stadiums when they were really 1.0 in MLS. You know, for example, no flagpoles. You know, there's some stadiums I, I kind of get, get it. You know, um, I think even until recently, a lot of stadiums, you had to at least check them in through the team and then the team would have them there for you to make sure that they met certain requirements. They couldn't be used as weapons or anything like that. But it's just... Uh, I, you know, I, I equate it to um, I, to uh, Matthew McConaughey in Days to Confuse when he asked a kid if he has uh, if he has any weed, and he'd be like, a lot cooler if you did. You know, <laughs> it, you, it'd be a lot cooler if you did let flagpoles in. You know, I yeah. understand that the they may be uh, dangerous, but it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah, yeah, and and you, this is one of those you know growing pain issues with sticking this team this is just another sign and and i get a rep now jared out there especially from soccer morning there are people who are on board with nycfc who think i am a hater that i am just bad mouthing that club without reason that i'm unfair to nycfc and yet they continue to do these things i don't understand how that's possible they continue to do these things that make it impossible for me to go oh yeah that's great they they you know, or just let them be because this, this again is not, I don't know if I want to blame the club because again, they are tenants in an ill-fitting stadium, but, oh, but they're, but they're but tenants listen, in a stadium owned by part of their own ownership. I know, I know. But again, that just goes back to the misstep or the mistake it was to give this team to Mansoor and Manchester City football group people, whatever the hell they are. $400 million without all of those ducks in a row that normally come with an expansion franchise. There's no issues in, well, Orlando's going to open up in the Citrus Bowl. I don't know what the rules are there. But when they get into their own building, there's not going to be issues because it's their building. They can set the rules they want. They can talk to their supporters groups. They can figure it out and not have this issue. And in, in New York, they can't do that because they don't have their own building. They don't have their own, their own stadium. They're going to be playing in a baseball stadium. They, they can't get out of their way on the Lampard thing. It's just, 
They continue to do this stuff, and I, dude, you are not a hater. They, 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 I, I want to let, I want to absolve you of your sins. If this is a confession booth, and I'm in like, like, uh, like Friar Dubois, you are absolved of your sins, my son, because this is just, it, it, it's not hate for hate's sake. Yeah, it's legitimately NYC is making things that is making it difficult. To support them. And I'm glad. I'm glad they have people that are rosy-cheeked and are gung-ho for this team because they're going to need it. I'm glad they have people that can like look the other way when these things happen. But I think MLS has worked almost 20 years to get to the point where we don't have to worry well, about these things anymore. You, you, you know, Do you want to run down this real quick, what the well, list is and what, yeah, what yeah, can well, and can't well, be done? We'll get to that. But in the interest of equal time, and as you said, in 20 years, it should be past these things or, or the other teams have got – except the fact that – the same time that NYCFC stadium rules were breaking, the, the I mean, in terms of news, it, it came out that the LA Galaxy are going to be punishing their supporters groups for throwing uh, for throwing streamers during the MLS Cup final or something. Like, there's all these new rules. I, I think that was. The- I don't get that though, because the the, the the ACB does that every game, and it's usually agreed upon. They have a set time and a set time a uh, set place that they do it, and they did it the exact same moment they do every game. Well, it makes me wonder if the league said, "Hey, guys, this is a nationally televised. This is our biggest event. This is a league event. The MLS Cup final, even if it's happening at the home of the higher seed, the way it is now, is still a league event. The league runs." And we, you know, we, you got boys over at uh, LA Galaxy offices. That's that's not their show. They're there. They're helping out. They're doing stuff, but that's not their show. That's the league show. And, and maybe that's what this is: the league leaning on the Galaxy to say, "Hey, they they weren't supposed to do this. They ruined our thing," which would be ridiculous, by the way. And just show how out of touch well, the league is. Not every stadium has something. It would be equivalent to, and it's, it's a loose equivalency. To the Portland Timbers having their home, st- the final at their home stadium and not letting Timber Joey run a chainsaw. Yeah. Right. You know, it, I mean, it's not the same thing because that's not a very iconic thing for, 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 for the Timbers, but it's still a thing that is intimate and makes that stadium both a home field advantage, which it's supposed to be, you know, if you actually get the reward of hosting MLS Cup. And otherwise you're cheating the, the, by the majority of the people that are there for the experience of supporting their home team in the final. Well, so and we I all, don't get why you punish. We all like recognize, this. we all recognize that MLS took a giant step forward when the supporters group movement started to spread outside of DC or Toronto or a couple of other places. Well, Toronto is more of a whole stadium atmosphere, but DC certainly with the Barra Brava. And, and, yeah, they were the know, originators. When, the originals. when when that started to spread outside of that uh, out of DC, outside of DC, and when the South War became a really big thing in New York, and and obviously the Portland, the Timbers Army came into the league and, and sort of changed the game. Seattle has uh, their gigantic crowd making all that noise and doing those things, and the TFOs and, and everything else. TFO, they that was a game changer for MLS. So if there is any hint at all. That MLS is suddenly being reactive about this. The, the fact that the the Angel City Brigade threw some some flyer or some uh, band, streamers. whatever streamers, whatever that didn't matter. It looked cool for the. I mean, it looked cool for the moment that they threw them. It's one of the only things we got. I know, right? <laughs> we don't have much in LA. We yeah. don't do. We don't have gumption. We don't have. We don't. We don't put a lot of effort. We don't, we don't burn a lot of calories on on uh, on support. So it's one of the only things we do. Let us have it, huh? I, know, I don't get it. So what are the what are the exact rules? in New York City for NYCFC fans when they go out to Yankee Stadium to watch soccer on a baseball field. Okay, so first of all, no flagpoles, which we covered, which, I listen, and of all the things here, not that big of a deal. I think it's understandable. I think there's precedent for this. Here's a weird one. No banners fixed 
to any surface in the stadium. And by fixed, are we talking like scotch taping a banner yeah. of, like on the uh, uh, over the side rail of the aisle? Or are we talking actually like having them somehow like permanently attached? No, to I don't think it's permanent. I think they mean like you can't even tie up. Like if you bring a banner with some string attached to the corners, like you can't even tie your your thing up. Like you can't even. Like you're, that, so you're that, telling me that a, a fan can't bring a greatly stenciled picture of of mixed screws, lustrous hair with smooth operator no. on it, and hang that, drape it over the left field wall? No, I, I don't. I, I I guess that's the. Why do they hate their fans? I I. I didn't know. I, we had that for Michael Bradley. Now you're giving it to mixed screws. By the way, no, how about we this? used it for both. Okay, fine. How about this for actually? What we should have for mix is that uh, uh, I don't know. It uh, anyway on the on the team's website on the New York City FC team website. You know how? When oh, you, you know what music we should have for it? Like when Phoebe, what's the mute music when Phoebe Cates gets out of the pool in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High <laughs> yeah, and does a slow mo walk in I, the red bikini? Somebody's gonna tweet us after they listen to this podcast. No, I don't know off the top of my head, but. Uh, on the team website, if you go to the list of players, like with any other team website, and it's got everybody's name and their picture and their body, it says mix. That's yeah. it. It just says mix. <laughs> I, I mean, I dig the dude's nickname, but like, is this really, are we going, are we really one naming him? Like, is he Brazilian? Now? I love it. All right. Yes, we are one naming him. It's about time someone went one name. If you had to, if you had to suggest another American player from history, who could be one named? Maybe we can retroactively one name that guy. I mean, look, we we can use last names for anybody. We know who they are. But if there's like a first name, if it, is there one guy that that is that is a first like Landon? Uh, is he just Landon now? Like, do we have to say Donovan or is he Landon? Is it is it Claudio? If he like, had, had Landon on the back. It, well, here's the thing. It's not even you can't even call it Landon because Mix isn't his real name. You're right. It's a nickname he You're goes right. by, which right. is even cooler. Right. And we don't have. There's no good history. Of American players and nicknames. Like, we just don't It would have be like that. Landon Donovan having Landy cakes on the back of his New Jersey. <laughs> I don't think he'd be doing that. I don't think he would either. Right. But let's see. I, I don't know if there's another. I mean, is there anyone that's been nicknamed as well? No. Is I there don't... anyone that kind of goes by then a nickname? Oh, you can Waldo. put Deuce on the back. Deuce. Okay. Fine. Deuce, you're right. That's, that's, I think nickname. that would actually be conceivable and actually fairly supported. Right. What about, what about Waldo? You put Waldo on, on the back of Waldo's jersey, right? No you're... one wants to wear a jersey that says the word Waldo. And it's not against Wondolowski. It's like, it's kind of a dorky name. No, no, not Wando. It's like, it's like having Wally on the back of your not jersey. Wa- not Wondolowski, Winalda. I was talking about oh, Winalda. Okay. But I don't know that he, he would want it. He wouldn't want to wear that either. So I, uh, that would be an issue. I mean, I think that, I think that we just don't have, I don't know. We just don't have that level yet. Like, is that, it's going to be another ceiling breaking moment for the United States of America on the soccer field when we get a guy who is really legitimately known around the world by one name and it's a nickname. It's a, it's like a Brazilian, maybe not Brazilian style, because we don't do once again, Ronaldinho, but once again, it'd be a lot cooler if we did. It'd be a lot cooler if we did. All right. So other rules, other rules yeah. on the NYCFC, uh, uh, why we hate our fan uh, list number three, uh, no flags and or banners over six feet tall. Oh, excuse me. Six feet at all is what it says, actually. Okay. You have an issue with that one? I do. Once again, I, I feel a lot of these things, and I'm a, let me because there's another couple that kind of go to the same point. So I'm gonna read a couple of these because they all go back to the same thing for me. No flags or banners over six feet at all. No electric megaphones. Only old school hollow cones. I get that from a certain respect, but the capo should at least have a megaphone. Um, okay. No smoke. I'm gonna skip that one for a second and go to 
one drum permitted brought in by NYSC personnel who had, had uh, did also determined its position in the stands. Okay, this is what I'm talking about in terms of NYCFC is so MLS 1.0. There was a time mm-hmm. in MLS where you would not be allowed to do things that were legitimate ways to support your team for fear of driving away the vanilla component yep. of the family uh, attendees. Because, but. It, there was a feeling that the average sports fan wouldn't attend soccer games because they couldn't understand the supporter culture and how it may inconvenience you. Instead of embracing the fact that it's different and makes you maybe even more engaged in the passion surrounding the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. And in fact, um, I'm looking for this now. I'm going to see if I can find it. There is, in, in, in sort of the res- after the response to these rules that, that went across Twitter and kind of blew up all over the internet, all of the, everybody who watches MLS, all the fans in other cities who are sort of waiting to see what NYCFC will be, when the response came out, they actually issued a statement that addressed exactly what you're talking about. It said those dreaded words for MLS supporters, the hardcores, it said family friendly. I'm <sighs> almost positive it said that. Now, and and this, this is, it speaks directly to your point. Do you want to create a vibrant, attractive atmosphere and then let people decide whether that, that that's a place for them? Or do you want to make, do you want to create a boring, staid, placid, just terribly, uh, silent and ridiculously bore, again, boring atmosphere and then potentially drive away the people that are going to be the loudest and support your team the most and spend the most money on your team? That's well, the here's thing, the, man. Here's, yeah, here's the thing that's most, uh, def- <laughs> defeating for me is that you're never going to come out the gate with as much passion and as much opportunity as you are in this first season of existence. People are going to be jacked up, ready to go, ready to support this team, and you're going to treat that momentum by going after the middle instead of going after the core. Right. That's what you're telling me by making this. When you look at why Toronto FC succeeded right out of the gate, why Seattle succeeded right out of the gate, and even Portland, granted those other two had a base already, but the reason why they succeeded so well is because they went after the core. They went to the bar culture. They went to the, the young soccer fan culture and embraced it and really geared their marketing and their their season ticket sales around that core nyfc is going the other way this is this is jump houses in the parking lot kind of stuff Mm. that i had to deal with in 1996 through 1999 into the 2000s this is backwards thinking and it disappoints me to see one of the most ambitious efforts in mls go after the marginal but again instead I, of after I, again, the core i almost i almost feel like so much of this is being dictated by the environment that they're that they have to occupy by the fact that it's a yankees stadium production by the fact that the yankees are involved at all i mean i made a joke on twitter when these rules came trickling out that somebody probably showed video of a supporters and an MLS supporter sh- section to Hal Steinbrenner, who's the managing partner of the Yankees, the son of of, of uh, George, and he probably went, "Nope, not my stadium. Can't be, be having that. Can't, can't, no, this is no, my dad would not stand for this. You know what I'm saying? At, at what point in the game do they politely applaud the effort of the players? <laughs> That's right, something like that. I mean, look, Yankee Stadium uh, crowds can be rowdy, but it's like it's a baseball rowdy. It's a it's a there's there's a there's no soccer vibe to a baseball uh, a baseball stadium experience unless you're in Oakland and they have a certain group that's sort of along the lines of a soccer supporters uh, group but there 
to me, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not absolving NYCFC of responsibility, but then I'm, I'm going to take it all the way back to the beginning. MLS choosing after the stadium deal uh, in, in uh, Flushing Meadows fell apart, still giving this franchise to NYCFC without a stadium plan in place, knowing it could take 10 years in New York and Manhattan to figure, or well, not necessarily Manhattan, Bronx, Queens, wherever, to figure out a stadium situation with their mayor coming in who wasn't, a, who wasn't keen on giving tax breaks to rich people. This is a problem that they're going to be dealing with. We are dealing, we were talking about an issue of perception, Jared. MLS had gone up and up and up. We got full stadiums in Seattle. We got great crowds in, in Portland singing songs. We got, you know, we got things popping up. The, the new stadium in, in Kansas City is amazing and loud and vibrant and is exactly what you wanted soccer to be forever. Back when you were watching games on television or you were going to the Coliseum, back when you were going to the Coliseum, you had no idea it could be this good. And now MLS is saying, you know what? We're just going to take money to take a step backwards in in our the perception of our teams now we're going to go to a baseball stadium in new york we're going to put a, a you know it's going to be a football stadium with drapes again in atlanta i don't know how good that's going to look i mean i'll give them the 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 chance to prove that it's going to be okay but do you see what i'm saying here but yet that's one of the more deflating things about it as well is that you have a team coming in or ownership coming in that runs Manchester City FC that knows what a passionate soccer base should look like they play in EPL for god's sake how are they getting overrun in a deal that the minority owner is kind of calling the shots, it feels like? You know, it makes me feel all the more like, to your point, that it was a money ga- grab, yeah, a cash it's a grab. La- it's a landlord Instead of finding thing. the right owner, right. It, they found the richest owner. Yeah. Well, you have you ever lived somewhere where, you know, the landlord says you can't put anything on the walls because yeah. you make holes? Like, that. that's the level of restriction we're talking about here. Like that's... It's it clear. It's clear to me that the Yankees have certain things that they want done in order to be okay with this. It's in addition to that. It's like they have their own kid living in the place that they own and selling them. They can't put anything <laughs> on the walls. Yeah, no, it's more. It's I think it's more like a cousin. I'm gonna call it like a cousin situation. And not yeah, right. a, they don't care enough. Not, to a, be not a even. Kid. A, yeah, not even a cousin that they're that close with. They just they're kind of they kind of hang out every now and then. And you're renting them a room. Eight oh five. Who's this? Gentlemen, this is Scott from Los Angeles. Hey, How are hey, you Scott. We are we're currently talking about NYCFC and their stadium rules. What's on your mind tonight? I had a question about expansion. If you don't mind, no, go for it. My question is: um, assuming what you know, Garber talked about going to twenty four, and assuming Miami does happen, based on the news that Beckham said this week, and how Garber talked about being bullish on Minnesota and Sacramento with their forty Niners and Kings. And- are you with me, Jared? Yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Okay. He's cutting out of it. Yeah, though. no, I, we I lost Scott. My Skype uh, instance crashed, but we will uh, we will talk about uh, expansion clearly based on his question. I mean, I, I don't know where he was going with the whole thing, but he did identify Minnesota being a team or Minnesota being a city that or Minneapolis being a city that John Garber has expressed interest in. He's mentioned St. Louis is now sort of back in the mix, I guess, and he's going to be visiting there. He did visit there. You got this uh, Sacramento bid. Now adding the San Francisco 49ers as a partner in, in their push. So if, if we're going to talk about expansion, we're going to talk about the num, the, 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 uh, I don't know, the appropriate max on well, this. I, I think, I think right now it's a matter of there's what two spots left and four legitimate candidates. Would you put it at four? All right, we have, well, we, we've obviously got rid of Chivas USA. We got LAFC coming in in 2017, apparently. 
Right, yeah, so, I'm just talking legit like expansions that are new slots. I apologize. Well, no, That's no, an existing uh, slot that's being reshuffled. Right. Okay. But let me see. So what? The league will be at the league's going to be at uh, at 19 this year. No, or 20. Be at, uh, I believe uh, 20, 21 20. this year. No, 20. 20. It's going to be 20 because it would have been 21 if US was still around. So you, oh, you're right. Uh, I apologize. So that means there's three slots, right? Um, you know what? Uh, two because of Atlanta, right? So that's what that's what you're saying at this point. Yeah, there's two left to meet the tw- the the expectation that right. Garper put out a while back. If you want my current power rankings on on expansion cities based on everything that's happened, I'm I'm jumping. Well, first, listen, what are what are the four? First of all, I, oh, Miami, Miami, Sacramento, Ma- uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, or whatever, and. Uh, I St. Would, Louis? I would, I guess Las St. Vegas? Louis. I, I don't know if you put San Antonio in there. I, I think say, I think Las Vegas has got to be out of the running right now. Until they, until that whole stadium mess gets absolutely, completely 100% sorted out, because there's something about a petition, and I, I don't even know what's going on in Vegas. Like, what happens in Vegas is staying in Vegas, because I don't understand it. So I'm going to put Vegas on the outside looking in. But so if exactly. I, we're talking about legitimate candidates, Sacramento's a legitimate candidate. Miami is if Beckham can get his crap together and find a place to build a stadium and get some help. Minneapolis, I think, is definitely a player. They've got. Let's do. Let's two do this bids. two ways. Give your power rankings of which you actually think is most feasible. Then go go ahead and let's re- discuss what you wish they were. Oh uh, well, I, I think Sacramento has jumped to the top of the list based on everything that they've done. The fact that they sold out so many games last year, the fact mm-hmm. that they've got um, both the Sacramento Kings and the Sa- Sa- San Francisco 49ers on board, the fact that their mayor is super gung-ho. It's uh, a gr- great partnership. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's a new blueprint. You know, there's the blueprint we saw with um, the Sounders and uh, the Timbers and even uh, Orlando City SC were coming in this year. This is a new blueprint, I think, where it's make something grassroots and then a tie it tie it to something that's uh, very permanent. Granted, we're seeing the downside of that with NYCFC a little bit with the Yankees, but I don't see this organization and this structure being near the same way. One no. thing you'll see about the Sacramento Kings, if you paid attention to the NBA, is that they've done a very good job of sell, uh, selling tickets in a not, not extremely high-populated area, but they've done it in a very organic way. They've really kind of embraced the fact well, that they're not the big city. That team was nearly that team nearly moved. That team was ne- nearly gone from Sacramento until local ownership uh, stepped up and bought it from the from the Maloof brothers. So you you have a team that has sort of re uh, you know reinvigorated itself, decided mm-hmm. to stay has new owners, is staying in the market. This is a great way. I mean, you think about it from a Kings perspective. This is a great way for them to tie themselves further. To the to the local community, local market, yeah. yeah, especially when there's so much uh, excitement around the Sacramento Republic side, and the fact that you know, and they're kind of cross season from each other for the most part. Yeah, and look, Sacramento fits the mold of a Portland or Orlando in the sense that there is only one major league sports franchise in that town, and happens to be an NBA basketball team. That those two sports can coexist and yeah. share headlines on the front page of the sports section or on the front page of the paper. Period. Without you worrying about, you can you know you're going to get space there if you're the Sacramento if you're Sacramento Republic, especially it, 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 it allows two large franchises in the Kings and the 49ers by by partnering with Sacramento allows these franchises to be a 365 day a year sports entity. Because MLS fills the gap of the summer when these two teams normally don't play and are off the, the radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This way, you engage your fan, you point them in a different direction, and they're still your fan come around the other end. Yeah. The question that, uh, that Scott wanted to ask before he got cut off, he says, does MLS increase expansion to 26, uh, 26 or more before, before 2020, and when do you think teams come in? Well, look, it's 2015. 
and we're still going you're going to have to add five teams to get or four teams to get to 20 to get to 26 but uh, that's not happening. I don't think you're I don't think you're going to rush that quickly. Now, I think they might go past 24 after 2020. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't, why they would stop. I mean, especially if St. Louis is legitimate, especially if San Antonio has everything together, including a stadium plan already. Uh, you know, if Vegas gets their stuff together, that could be kind of groundbreaking for MLS to be the first major sports league to go into that city. Uh, there are other candidates out there. I mean, it's. It, I mean, listen, it's probably not the first time a really good guy, a good-looking guy like Beckham, is, has cock-blocked a, a, a someone from Minneapolis. I mean, I think they were in the prime number two spot until Beckham kind of got his stuff back together again. Now they're they've fallen to a distant third because you have the sexiness of, of Beckham in Miami. It's really, honestly, if Beckham and Miami weren't a part of this, I don't think anyone would like what's going on in terms of, they're probably at the same level as Vegas, to be honest with you, in terms of what they've done to earn right. a spot. Yeah. I and mean, maybe even worse because they've lost a team in the past. The sexy and glitziness of those two entities are mm-hmm. outweighing what a lot of the negatives would be otherwise. Sacramento doing everything right, legit. I mean, it, it seems like a formality at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. And Minneapolis was in that kind of prime number two spot where they had a lot of good, like kind of grassroots things going on in a soccer in, in a region that many people don't know is actually a very nice soccer region. Yeah, you, you know, know, you know. Uh, just to kind of go off, I'm going to go off book here for a second. Let, let, let's let's really just have some fun with this. I mean, we can talk about the legitimate elements of expansion. We can talk about I can the, improv. We That's can talk fun. about the wisdom of expanding. You know, this quickly, the way MLS is doing. Again, NYCFC, while I understand the desire to put a team in New York, I think they've done, I think they've screwed this up royally. And we're going to see whether or not they can actually be popular in that city, especially playing in a baseball stadium. But I, what I want to do is give me a city or two off the top of your head that you would, that you think would be interesting from an MLS or soccer perspective that maybe doesn't even have a lower division team right now. I, like, I don't even care what their soccer profile is. Like, don't San even. San Diego. Okay, so Sandy, because you think San Diego is a good soccer town, or is it because it's just? I think there's. I like. I, I I've been on the record in the past saying that I don't think San Diego is a sports city. But you ask me a, a city that's intriguing or kind of like that kind of piques my interest. It's still a city that piques my interest because of the close relationship with Mexico. I think Jolos has shown that there is ability to cross that border. I just wonder if there's enough still there to go to to do it twice. You know, okay. um, right. I think that's one that really kind of speaks to me. Maybe it's just because I was also lived there for well, a while. But see, so here's I the thing: tied to you, it. You, this is not the spirit of my question. Okay. Okay. Like, forget, forget all of the legitimate reasons why it might work in city A or city B. Just give me okay. a, a like, give me some city that you think would be fun or have has something else outside of soccer or or a mark like there. Forget the youth scene. Forget whether or not it's close to Mexico. Forget you know. Forget the the popularity of the sport as far as you know. Just give me. Like, I would say Detroit. Okay, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. And Detroit's got a lower division team that's made yes, a little do. bit of no, noise. And I think Detroit. And here's another one, Pittsburgh. If if Pittsburgh actually had a decent mm. stadium and yeah. figured out how to market a team correctly, don't you think like. I know that's like a, it's it's like a tech town now, but don't you think like the blue collar spirit of Pittsburgh would be really cool in MLS or or any maybe <clears throat> like forget it, NASL I think I think you out. have a much more natural entryway into the theme that Columbus tried so long and so hard to kind of grab. Yes, in that that worker man's spirit, that workman's like spirit. I think that's what, despite what Pittsburgh is today, it's known to be that blue collar. Yes, yeah, and I think if you think about the relationship with uh, with Philadelphia down the road uh, and what what that could mean, it's a really intriguing 
Um, and it also it, it also has built-in sports connections and yeah. rivalries that we t- we've talked about before with New York. Yeah, the Philly, only, the only problem the only problem is that, as you said, Columbus tried to do that thing, and they couldn't use they couldn't use the, the the Pittsburgh color palette that all those teams use. Every every team in Pittsburgh is black and gold. Mm-hmm. They can't do it because Columbus is already using it in MLS. That's the only downside. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about um? I, I I like Detroit, and I also like Detroit because here's the thing, I think an MLS an MLS franchise, if done right, first of all, it could get great tax breaks on land and development because of the situations going on in Detroit. But they could also be part of a rebuilding process in yeah. a downtown environment in Detroit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That you could you could tie. That team, especially if it's in Detroit, because I, well, I don't know where Ford proper. Field is. Detroit proper. Yeah, I, maybe the Lions do play in Detroit proper. I know the Tigers do. The, obviously, they, they got the Red Wings. There's a very, you know, there's a, there's some great sports franchises in that town. Uh, certainly, the, the certainly the, the Red Wings have been very successful and stuff, and, and the Tigers have been pretty good over the last decade or so. So there's already a good vibrant sports scene. I don't know if you could fit if you could jam soccer in there or not. The same thing goes for Pittsburgh to a certain extent, but I don't know. I just think I just think it would be a fun place. To kind of like imagine what it could be organically, like what kind of supporters group would Pittsburgh get? It's not going to be like it's not going to be a Houston style support. It's not going to be LA forget, style uh, support. Pennsylvania gave us one of the most pure and natural supporters groups and movements that MLS has ever seen to this point. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's just a fun idea. And look again with with Scott's question is. You know, does how when does MLS stop? How do they determine when to stop? When is the right time and the like the right uh, number to stop at? Because again, this this is an issue of you know stretching out your talent pool. You know, I I know the expansion fees are coming in hot and heavy, but this is when people when people look back at the NASL, this is what they're going to tie it to. I mean, this is why they they're, people are going to invoke that name. I think MLS is past that point. I, I'm going to go with a bull prediction here, okay? And I'm going to say by 2020 or 2021, let's say 2021, MLS will, I think they will, uh, I think they will contract a team before they expand to 26. Okay. Fair enough. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Market, Donnie. Someone market. Yeah, market, yeah. Donnie. I, I don't want to see anybody contract. I just think we're doing a lot of expanding very quickly. And if we start spanning out to 26, I think by 2021, we may have gotten to 26. We would have lost one along the way somewhere. I, well, I hope that's like I said, I hope that doesn't happen. I think MLS has a responsibility as a league and who knows what the league will look at, look like then. I mean, we've got a CBA coming up. We don't know what's going to, what that's going to look like. Technically, it's all, the, uh, the old one expired yesterday. So they're working without one. They could extend it uh, by agreement into the season if they can't, uh, can't get something done by the time, by the start, the, by the start of the campaign. Uh, but you don't know what it's going to look like. Maybe single entity is broken up. Maybe there's free agency. Maybe some other things have happened. And you just wonder again, like, what's the right place and where's the right, you know, when, when we get to that moment, is MLS going to have gone too deep? And, and they have to, like I said, the responsibility is to make the teams they have successful enough that we don't talk about contraction or relocation for that matter. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it, it, if if Miami finds a way to weasel their way into the league without a stadium deal, it could be them. They could be three, four years in and out, uh, just like they did the first time around. I, I if hope, there's no stadium attached to their bid, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't. I, I don't think MLS would do that. Let's talk about a couple of player movement issues or uh, items in the news this past week. Certainly, uh, we could start with. I don't know. You want to start New York or New England? Which one do you think is bigger? Uh, 
on. Let's talk with New York. Okay. You think uh, we got a lot of New York talk tonight? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Well, we haven't mentioned the Red Bulls yet. New York Red Bulls, part of that that that, that deal that they made, they traded Ambrose Oyongo and Eric Alexander to the Montreal Impact for the first allocation slot. Uh, uh, there was a player involved in that. Who's the other? Who's the player that came back the other way? I don't even remember um, now. Felipe. Yes, uh, Felipe Martins. Uh, and and they got that first allocation spot to do what they did this week, and that sign. Uh, Sasha Kleshjian from Andelect. I don't know what the fee was. They won't disclose it. They paid some sort of transfer fee. Sasha comes back to MLS. He's going to be in that that New York midfield with Dax McCarty. You know, considering the rest of their team, Jared, the rest of what they've got going on, which is a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience, and who's going to score the, the you know who's going to provide the goals, uh, the goal out scoring opportunities for Riley Wright Phillips. Is this really making? Does this make them legitimately better? Do you think they're a playoff team right now? I think, I think absolutely it makes them better. I, I think in in Eric Alexander, you had a lot of the same in terms of what uh, he and Max and uh, uh, Dax McCarty do. And now, granted, I think Dax McCarty has much more defensive bite, and and I think also is the better midfielder to kind of gear your your the center of your field around. Um, so I think it was a smart play on their part the, in getting way of uh, Scott. Uh, I mean, Eric Alexander because it, what. What's the one thing everyone said about New York for the last, what, five, six years? Ever since Amato Guevara left there, to be honest with you, where's the creative and creativity in midfield? In Felipe Martins, I don't think you have a catch-all in terms of creativity, but between he and Kleshton combined, maybe yeah. I think now you're talking about something. Now the question is, do you push, play Kleshton wide and let Felipe Martins have the inside track in the middle? No. Do you flip-flop that? No. But either way, I think value for value. Now you add in Lloyd Sam yeah. on the other side. Yeah. All of a sudden, now there's a lot more options for offense. You've maybe and is anyone really saying that Kleshton isn't as good, if not better, defender than Eric Alexander? No, he's he's an upgrade. You're paying him a lot more money, and you're spending a lot more money on him. He's an upgrade. But you also lost Thierry Henry's salary. Yes, you also true. M- most likely going to lose Tim Cahill's salary. The yeah. way things are going right now, you have some money to spend, and I think this is a smarter spend in the way that they're doing it. Granted, it also kind of fits into maybe that new template we're seeing for New York Rebels, who doesn't want to invest as much in MLS. So these are kind of smarter spends if you let release those DP uh, yeah. spots and fill them with a Kleshjian and a Martins. But I think. The main thing out there still is they need a big def- uh, striker up front. They need someone up there, an Alan Gordon-esque type of player. It doesn't have to be a big-name player, but someone why? that can at least do that dirty work. Why? So Bradley Wright Phillips can be freed up. Okay, but why they didn't necessarily need that last year, and he scored 20 They also had Thierry Henry last year. No, I understand that. They're going to have to play some dirty dirty ball this year. Okay, so you think, they, you think they're going to have to muck it up a little bit more? Look, Jesse Marsh is the is the guy now. And you can you think about his year in Montreal and what he had and what he did. I don't think they're going to go that way. I don't think they're going to play a center forward and lump well, the ball. It's very up telling and, that he does a deal with the Montreal Impact and gets one of his guys back. Yes, no, absolutely. I think that 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 clearly he two of his guys back. Question also a returning Chivas USA player who played with Marsh. Well, played with him, not under him. But yes, he, with him, he, with him. That's even knows. better in my opinion. He knows exactly who Question is as a player. Yes, he does know him well, and and clearly, if there's a if there's an MLS uh, coach right now who might be able to get the best out of Sasha Kleshton on his move back, and, and maybe it's Jesse Marsh. I mean, as you said, he he knows the guy very well. It's going to be an interesting year at at Red Bull Arena, especially with NYCFC across the river now, and what they are going to do. We're going to be watching that dynamic. I, I think all it's year. a dirty situation though for the LA Galaxy. That's a tough loss. I mean, this is a team that released Marcelo Sarvis partly because he wanted more money, but also likely to free up cap space to grab a Sasha question. So now 
LA Galaxy is out there. They gave away a huge piece of their pie in, in Marcelo Sarvis, and now they have this this blank spot in midfield that won't be filled until July when Steven Gerrard gets there. Yeah. That's a long time they have to go right now without a key component and a big gap in midfield. I would be interested to see if L.A. dips into the trade market and Bruce tries to pull one of those diamonds in the rough that he can sometimes do. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, he's got a, he's got a wealth of, of fullbacks. You have Todd Donovan, who's back to full fitness. You have Robbie Rogers. You have Dan Gargan. You have A.J. De La Garza. You have a young guy named Oscar Sorto coming up through the ranks down below. There's, they have, they have more fullbacks than they conceivably use for a full season. One of them may be the the key points in dealing in terms of getting and uh, able to get a uh, some kind of midfielder in return. Yeah, it, it'll be. Uh, the, LA is disappointed that they missed out on Question. They don't seem to be grousing about it as much anymore. It's more about moving forward. Arena talks about other targets that they may they may have there. All right, the other big return to MLS this past week, Juan Agudelo returns and signs with the New England Revolution, the team he left when he decided to go hopping off to Europe last year, mm. a year and a half ago, whatever it was. This is full circle. I guess it was a year. This is full circle. And he hasn't played any competitive soccer since he left. And I, 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 this whole thing just makes me angry, Jared, in the sense that what a waste. What a waste of a season for a young player who should have been getting better. I, I, I feel like this would have been George Bailey's life if he had actually left the small town and it's a wonderful life because <laughs> all he ever wanted was to get out. And if he ever had, he may have figured out that he had something better all along back behind him. Yeah. You're saying, you're saying that, that you're saying that uh, the New England revolution or Bedford falls. That's what you're telling me right now. Yeah. If, if you've seen the Robert Kraft, it's a lot like Mr. Potter right there. <laughs> Very good. That's uh that's a pretty good one. I, hold on. Uh, I'm not ready. Jay if Mr. Potter had like, Tons of hot women around him. <laughs> if Mr. It, yeah, you know what? And that movie's in black and white, so we don't even know if he was wearing the two-tone shirt, the the, co- the white co- uh, cuffs with the, the blue shirt, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Mr. Barrymore, man. Maybe we don't know. Maybe he had a whole bunch of ladies on the there, side. There are two ways to look at this move. Uh, the it's One is from the you know, the young player, Juan Agadella perspective, which is just, again, maddening, crazy. What do you do? What the hell, man? Like, Seriously, why? Why did you do well, just this think stuff? of the season New England may have had if Agudelo they had been able to convince him to stay? I know, and and I do think that this makes them one top one or two uh, in terms of MLS Cup favorites this year. Based hey, are on- you worried about too much like for like in in Agudelo and Charlie Davies? No, he'll. I think Heaps is smart enough to figure a way to make that work. I know they lost Patrick Mullins. He would have been a nice compliment. Oh man, I, I don't know if Davies. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that Davies holds on to his starting spot. They may go yeah, back I, I out. Think that's, I think that's pretty legit. But what what Agudelo does provide you as well is that he can slot into midfield if necessary. Yeah, he you know he's a better defender. He better he's better tracking back, defending than people give him credit for. He's obviously a creative player. He can create his own shot. He can slash a little bit. He's not just a speed merchant the way that Charlie Davies has become. I mean, even though Charlie's not as fast as he used to be, that's that's really the thing that makes Davies dangerous to a back line. Agudelo can. I'm actually kind of bummed on this one though because Agudelo was one of the ones I really thought could do it overseas and you know and he it's not like he was bad for Utrecht no he he was good pretty good season there for him I was surprised how much he fell off the radar the problem at Utrecht and in Holland was that in order or the Netherlands was in order for him to stay there he had to make a certain a minimum salary they have a foreigner minimum which is really high and it eats up a lot of their you know a lot of their budgets for these teams so unless you're Ajax or Feyenoord you really can't just they could only they could only afford Rubio Rubin I suppose yeah so I I don't know how that works he he, I, I don't know if he's making 
maybe an age thing as well. I don't know. Do you think he and Lee Wynn just are going to hang out now and just reminisce about how much they hate uh, <laughs> Holland? <laughs> Why would they do that? I mean, because they both got done dirty. I don't. Th- but well, do I don't you, know if they got done well, dirty. No, but again, I'm sure in their mindset they got done dirty. But again, Agudelo was on loan at Utrecht, played well enough to make a name for himself, had some offers, decided he really wanted to make England work, was sitting there all waiting for that Cyprus thing to happen. He had offers in Germany. He had. It, and other offers, he might even have been able to go back to Holland. And for whatever reason, he just kind of sat there twiddling his thumbs. And eventually, now he's like, again, comes full circle. I find it fascinating. The man, by the way, he's got me blocked on Twitter. I was talking about this on Soccer Morning on Friday. What? Yeah, I don't know why. I was like, oh, I'm going to retweet. Look, what? I get those back. I'm going to retweet. Oh, I see. Like how? How? But it's because you you clowned the G five one too many times. I must dude. have. I must have. I mean, you know, you get punched in the gut by. I, 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 a player I like. I mean, I think it's. I think we've all had our moments where we question. I, I, I think you've been tagged as a hater. I must have been. I must have been tagged as a hater. Like, d- there are what there will be haters. That's the new thing, the new Adidas thing, or whatever. Apparently, yeah. I'm a hater. But I, mm. I look. I like him as a player. I'm just disappointed he lost out on a on a full year of developing as a striker. I still think he's got a national team future. He makes the New England Revolution much better, and that's the you know that's the other way to look at this. Was he right now? Twenty two, twenty three. I think he's twenty three at this point. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, and so he's got a long you know he's got a good future ahead of him. It's just that you, you know you wonder. Maybe he could have scored 20 goals in MLS last year. Wouldn't that? He'd be in the mix. He'd be, it would be, you know what? Here's the thing, though. It'd probably be him instead of Jassy Zardes. And then, you know, who, who, maybe Jassy doesn't. Who do you think comes back and has a better season? Agudelo or Josie Altidore? In terms of goal, straight up goal scoring? Yeah. I, 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 I'm saying, I, you know, I don't want to say strip goal scoring because I think Agudelo probably ended up with more assists than Josie Altidore. Well, I'm going to say at the end of the season, you look at these two guys' season in 2015. Who do you look back on at the end and think you had a better season overall? I think the answer is Agudelo because the team is better. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I also think that Agudelo's coming back not in the same mindset as Josie Altidore is. Agudelo left playing very well. Played yes. very well in MLS, yes. and he played pretty well for Utrecht. I think he can come back with his head held high and just like things just didn't go my way. Okay, I got in sure. bed with Stoke. Maybe. No one should ever get in bed with Stoke. That's an that's an ugly hookup. <laughs> now no he knows. Ever get in bed with Stoke? Yeah. Now he knows. Now yeah, it was it. Now he did the walk right. <laughs> he walk of shame, man. <laughs> he had to do the. That's walk. a long walk across the Atlantic. Oh uh, yeah, man. Danger zone. Yeah, the other one of the other rumors out there. These are these two moves are done. Question in New York. Agadello back to New England. One of the rumors out there is that Timmy Howard could be returning to MLS. Um, he's this has been a really weird year for Tim Howard, uh, Jared. He's. You know, he had that amazing performance against Belgium in the World Cup. He was sort of a, a superstar for the U.S. When, when they couldn't really control any game, so he had to make saves. He goes into the Everton season, and he's been getting dogged, and people have been questioning whether or not he's good enough to even start for Everton anymore. He decides to take he this... He got injured. He did get injured. He takes that sabbatical that, uh, from the national, the, the national team and says he's stepping away for a year. So do we, know it, you know, we know it's uh, Brad Guzan's job to sort of win out from underneath Howard, and Howard probably knows that. Howard's got, he's also released a book in which he sort of... I don't want to say he, he threw anybody under the bus, but there's certainly some stuff in there that you kind of go... And you had that back and forth with Brad Friedel about whether or not Friedel was trying to keep him from getting a, a work permit when the, the Manchester United move came around. I mean, it's I know where you're, going, you're coming from, though, because up until this point, 
if you had to describe Tim Howard, it's like head down, does his job, professional, and I mean, just solid, solid guy, yeah. solid career, solid personality. And not that those things aren't true now, but there is some weird things when you see like, I want to take a break from the national team. Okay. I mean, he maybe deserves that. I mean, but at the same time, there's guys around the world that still commit to their national teams all the way through their career. You can give him one. You know, I'll give you one. Yeah. And then you're, you're right. There's a couple other things, the book and stuff like that. It's almost like, and maybe it's, maybe it's my own unfortunate perspective as, is he, is he big time in us? I don't is he know. Big time well, in us a little bit now. He, now is he kind of like pseudo no. celebrity now? He's kind of big time in us. I don't know if that's it. Uh, he's do, he's doing the the commentating gigs in in England as well. I think that he is down. I think he's downshifting. I think he's I think he's kind of hitting a spot where. Yeah, but that's going know, from fifth to first though, man. You're grinding uh, the gears. I know it is. It does seem a little abrupt, right? It does seem. I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's got a chance to be to continues to sort of. If you want to look at it this way, this is a cynical way to look at it. And I don't know what who he's got handlers or managers or agents who he's talking to, but he sort of got the the opportunity. And I know it's World Cup years, really the only time that soccer players can do this. But he's got a look. He's got you know he's obviously a great uh, goalkeeper, has been a great goalkeeper. He's got this opportunity to sort of be bigger than soccer. You know what I mean? And very few players get a chance to do that. I'm not sure that's where he's going. But I, I hear these rumors about him coming back to MLS. Maybe I wonder if it's about travel or the next phase. Are we talking about a guy who's hauling Dempsey in the in the whole family thing? I mean, you know, he's a professional athlete, heard some stuff, but he's got a family. He's doing some, you know, he's got. Well, let's take it a different tack. Then let's take a different direction on this. Should he come back to MLS? Should MLS teams bring him back as a DP? There's no other mm. way he's coming back. I'm worried he's when gonna, I see you know this, what? you know, because that's. Here, the, I'm not the, a fan of the, DP keepers. The only reason to do it is to sell tickets. The only then you reason. Have to see, then you have to be, you have to be New York. It has to be New York. You think he doesn't sell tickets anywhere else? I don't think he has nearly as many organic ways to to drive sales as he does in New York. Coming back to the New York Red Bulls, listen, Red Bulls are a franchise right now that really needs to make up some some ground with their fans. And wouldn't a guy like Tim Howard, the prodigal son, returning be a good way to kind of maybe extend the olive branch out to yeah, a fan base that feels so. slighted right now? I suppose so. And I think it would be it would be poetic justice to see a guy who you know had to slog it out at at, at the Meadowlands back in the day on that. And to take it one turf. step further, I wouldn't mind seeing NYCFC make the move either. You bring a New York guy home, and they have the money that it won't really affect them as bad. In terms of bringing uh, bringing maybe a um, a vanity DP in, yeah, a, a DP just to bring a DP kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, there where it would it would cripple a team like FC Dallas or Colorado Rapids to bring in a DP keeper. It would, I don't know about cripple, but it depends on what the salary number is. Again, if you're and if you pay it down, if you have allocation to pay it down, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, you're using the allocation. So you would maybe rather use that in other places, but I think Tim Howard sells tickets. I don't know how many. I don't think he's. I don't think it's. You know, he's not going to put twenty. You know, uh, put uh, five thousand more season tickets on your on your um, on your books. But he's going to draw attention. It's Tim Howard. He's you know again the the show he put mm-hmm. on in the World Cup. The sort of the the history of who he, and the the tats and the and the and you know some of the uh, marketing stuff he's done, the ads he's done. I mean, all that stuff plays into to who to who Tim Howard is and what what impact he might have in MLS. I'm not saying a team should do it. In fact, I would have, I would advocate against it unless he's coming over for like a million bucks. 
I know let, it's still okay, deep let, money. Let me let me po- let me put this out there to you then, and we'll make this a pick your poison, even though it's not our normal version of it. Okay. Poison, poison, poison. In terms of how to spend six million dollars, okay. Rank these players in order of how much how who you should spend six million dollars on. Okay. Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Tim Howard. And I'm going to throw someone else out there, just let's say a random kind of euro. Who's a euro that maybe you could give around $6 million as decent? Uh, a decent European player who you could give for $6 million. Let's say like Adam Johnson. Uh, I don't think you need to pay him $6 million, but okay. okay. But let's enough. say you get Adam Johnson for $4 million. Okay. Who, how would you rank those purchases? Uh, in terms of who, who I think is most worth for $6 million? Yeah, on the six. field, off the field, take it all into account. I would say uh, Clint Dempsey's top of the list. Okay, I put I would go Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, um, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, um, who else did you say? Tim Howard? No, Adam Johnson. Adam Johnson at four. Tim Adam, Howard at six. Adam Johnson, Tim Howard. Because I'm with okay. you. Because you don't pay a goalkeeper that much. You just don't. Not in MLS. Okay. What if what if you paid Tim Howard four million, same as Adam Johnson? Who do you take? Uh, Maybe in that scenario, I'd take Tim Howard because again, even if you're not directly selling tickets against his name, he's out there. He's a U.S. I just hate that it feels like we've made a arbitrary dollar value for returning U.S. men's national team players. And if you're Tim Howard's agent, are you are you trying to get a deal for anything less than six million? There's a precedent set. Yeah. I mean, again, is it fair for us to value keepers differently than we value outfield players? Probably Hell not. Hell yeah. Do you, do you value kickers differently in football? Yeah, but, but you could argue that a goalkeeper has a much, much bigger impact on the totality of a game. I mean, even if a guy makes four saves. I don't mean to like say that the keeper is the kicker of soccer, but I'm just saying there's different values at different positions in most sports. A, a, a point guard is most of the time going to make more than, I don't know, a small forward. Yeah, uh, it depends. No, that's not true. At the top is at the top level. No, that's not true. Not true at all. Mm, okay, maybe there, basketball there, is there a is, one yeah. five positions on the field. Uh, How about a pitcher versus a first baseman? Pitchers make bank. Okay, you're right. You're probably right about that. Yes. There, there, there's, there's. I'm just saying that there's values of certain positions. So you're not wrong for thinking that. Don't feel guilty for thinking no, that. No, no, no. The I, keeper just. It, I, I just don't think the difference in keeper. Nick Ramondo versus Tim Howard. Is the difference really $4 million difference no, or no. $2 million difference? No, even? but we know that this is what MLS does. I mean, again, you, you mentioned Josie and Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey. They came back, they get these big fat contracts, and you kind of compare them and you wonder, really? I, I don't know what Bradley Wright Phillips is going to get this year. He's getting, he, he got a DP contract, okay? So he's obviously over 375 or 425, whatever the number is. But he's not making $6 million bucks. Meanwhile, Josie Altador comes back from not scoring goals at Sunderland, joins up with Toronto FC and gets the fat contract. And it's, you know, you look at Kyle Beckerman doing the mm. work, probably still going to be one of the top five defensive midfielders in MLS, even I, at is 34. Is he $5 million different than Michael Bradley? Exactly. That's exactly my point. No, of course and, he's not. And but, that's why RSL succeeds on the cheap because they've been able to do that type of business. But I, I, I would take it... Uh, Oh uh, man, 
I had an equation on this, but uh, <laughs> I think I may have to leave it. I don't think it's going to work quite the way I uh, okay. quite the way I wanted right. to. All right, well, that's just bringing the show to a complete another halt. I'm sorry. We we have about five minutes left. I'm looking at our list of topics here. We've hit on most of them. There was something you wanted to talk about with Garth Lagerway and, and GMs and coaches, but I just realized I don't think we've done a show since the USA Chile game. Do we? Should we like tip in with our? Oh thoughts? yeah, we should probably hit that real quick. <laughs> Do we have to? Like, like I don't know what we learned. I, I, I look. He he pulls a three five two out of his ass. I'm, I'm I'm sorry for your for the the language. Hopefully you aren't listening to this. Which in, I'm not in, mad at. You're not mad at pulling the five three five two out of. Why? Because I think you're okay. It's okay to try things. And listen, this this formation got us two leads in the game. It also lost two leads in this game. But I think that's more easily fixed than. The formation that was giving us the offense we haven't really that we've really kind of lacked. I think you can shore up the defense a little bit. Can you teach you? Jermaine Jones to not be as can aggressive. You? you teach him not to you can't you, teach uh, no, extend you himself. cannot teach Jermaine Jones new tricks. I'm sorry. I don't okay, think you can. Do you really think that in a three five two come the World Cup, if you're playing a three five two, Breck Shea's really the left midfielder? No, of course not. No, no, no. I, I went in there has more defensive presence. You're not gonna have Steve Birnbaum in his first ever cap playing there either i feel a lot more comfortable if come the world cup you have either someone like a um uh let's see who would be a good center back e- even right now if you saw this chad marshall in right there where steve birnbaum was that's yeah. an upgrade uh yeah okay fair enough i, I you know I, I would probably push Bradrian jones out wider because he's got more fleet of foot and put steve like and put someone like um chad marshall in the center but there's all sorts of options back there. Better Steve Burbaum. Steve Burbaum, for the most part, I think had a good game. That's a great first cap for me. Yeah, no, he, he was fine. Well, you're focusing on him. Meanwhile, I think the real issue was Matt Beasler and, and Jermaine Jones yeah, just not getting it but, together. But, and, and, and here's my problem. It's it, Look, I, I don't necessarily have, a, have an issue with throwing stuff out and trying new new stuff. I just feel like this is... Okay, if I had any faith whatsoever that Jurgen Klinsmann had a plan, that he was actually... like Be more like Ali Curtis. Tell me you have a 300-page plan. Maybe I'll believe you. If I, <laughs> if I actually thought he, w- he was doing something like as according, like we're going to progress to this, and now we're going to try a 3-5-2, and I have a, a, a plan on how we're going to integrate it, and I'm going to find play. No. He's like, uh, what see, do we do I was pissed when the game was over. I'm not going to lie. I was pissed. But now I think about more and more. It's like at some point, as a chef, if you're going to like, like expand your horizons, you got to start trying to make a souffle. And you think any chef's first souffle comes out right? No, but I mean, again, it, again, you got to learn, you got to tweak. And I at least appreciate the fact that he's trying something and he was trying something. And on the offensive side, it kind of succeeded. Yes, it did. It, they created some chances, especially in that first time. Now, they, they went away from the 3 5 2 later on in the game. I think it was actually worse play during that time. Uh, well, yeah, they, they ended up giving. And it's up also the different players on the field. At that by the point. way, by the way, Mark Gonzalez, the guy, the, the Chilean who scored two goals <laughs> in the second half. Look good. I, I've got I got people on Twitter telling me, "Hey, can we sign him up? Red Bulls might need, might uh, might like him." He's also what thirty one, thirty two. Yeah, oh, he's not, not not a young guy necessarily. But that's, that's MLS age. Oh, absolutely, and he plays in Chile. I don't. How much would would it take to pry him away from Chile if he if if you could make him a decent offer? Anyway, I I, I don't mind. Wabel's already on the phone. I, I I don't mind trying stuff. I just don't. Don't have any faith that Klinsman is doing this according to some actual you know you want a coach who like has his, again who has his s together who knows who sort of has a plan and, and and 
even if he's even if he's trying a new system, still has an idea of where to go from step one to yeah, step two. Yeah, but here's two, the thing: three. we would still be bitching if it was a four-four-two and ground out for a one-one draw. No, I would. Or a one I would. Zero win and uh, sure. what did, and didn't look at all passionate. No, no, and I will give look. I will give him credit, and I will give the team credit for creating some chances. Matt Beasley's ball was a thing of beauty. To set yeah, up and then Schaefer. he takes it away a couple minutes later. Yeah, and then and then you know obviously what Mix Discaru did to set up Josie and Josie hitting the 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 you know it sort of just indicates again the three five two is a great way to get Bradley arriving late, which is one of his strengths. Okay, and and, and again there are some personnel issues that would not be there if you play with a senior with a, with a top team with an A team. I, I it's just and I, I guess I guess what where I am is more about Klinsman than about that game. I take that game for what it was. A friendly loss on foreign soil, playing a new system with a couple of guys you're never going to see again or may never see in or may not see for another year or two or three. But and if I, you take that 3-5-2 and you put Fabian Johnson at the left midfield spot, all of a sudden I feel a lot better about that system. You know, and if you put a um uh, why am I blanking the the Cholos left back, why am I blanking right now? Oh, Greg, Gar- uh, Greg Garza, yeah. You put Greg Garza in Steve Birnbaum's spot. Granted, he's going to have more center back duties than he would in a normal four, four back set. But now I'm still kind of feeling okay about you change, change those two positions. I think that this, that system is more workable than it was in this game. That All being right. said, you should beat a Chilean beast wad with that many starters for the U.S. men's national team. Okay. I mean, and that's where the criticism is. But I, I mean, I think you, you should beat them, except they're playing a new... Again, Beasler and, and, jo- and Jones had no idea what they were doing. The fact Let's that, be honest here. When you look at... When the American Cousin looks at this team, he looks at DeAndre Yedlin and Fabian John- Johnson as potential game changers in terms of what they bring to the field athletically. Yeah. I think this system is geared to find a way to get them both on the field and find ways to get width out of those two players. All right, fair enough. Uh, the Super Bowl is like kicking up, and I know this is a soccer show, and I'm a soccer guy, but i got to go check out the end of the show. Do you want to real quick tip in on these logger weight comments? you want to save that maybe for a Wednesday edition? Oh, we can hit another time. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Best Soccer Show on Backhill.com. Make sure you're on iTunes, giving us a rating and a review. Make sure you're watching Archer. We didn't touch on Archer today. How do you feel the season's gone so far? Uh, up and down. Yeah. I think, the, I think the mountain climbing episode was really strong. I'm not sure the Pam episode was that strong. Yeah, I, I did not enjoy that one at all. I don't like Barry. Yeah, I, you in, know, in, in any form, I, I'm okay with Barry coming back, but just figure out the a only way. good Barry episode was the one where they went to France and they talked about uh, that chick being the Pele of something. That was the very that was the very first Barry episode. Yeah, that's the only good one <laughs> I can remember. Uh, Jason and Jared signing off. Uh, go back, go to backhill.com slash store and get your T-shirts and stuff. Uh, most of them Jerry Rodius designs, as a matter of fact. Anything else? Am I missing? Jay Rodius on Twitter, Davis JSN. Uh, hmm. so- best soccer show what else what else man come on quick uh, that, that, that's it man All I got right. nothing else to plug alright we'll, we'll see you guys on Wednesday bye the best only the best we get to the chopper danger zone oh it's incredible duh and or hello I am Nick Morrison and Paul Sundiskira. Damn, dog. Get a probes.